Alright, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. Ben, Lions coming off a tough loss over the weekend in Carolina. 37-23 loss to the, to the Panthers. Still alive in the postseason chase, but no room for error coming down the stretch. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens this week against the Bears. Yeah, they are facing that guy named Justin Fields who carved him up for 148 <laughs> yards and contributed to 15 missed tackles. The last time these two played and you just watched what Dante Foreman and Chubba Huber did to this team. I mean, right off the gut, off the zone run, making Sam Darnold look like a future potential franchise quarterback. Just it was all bad. It was all bad on defense. And that's not what you want to hear going into a matchup with a, a Bears team that's looking to do exactly what the Panthers did last week. Pound that rock and work in some deception with their quarterback. No doubt. we got a interv- good interview coming up on the back end with Frank Ragnow, now two-time Pro Bowl player. For Detroit. But first, like, you know, I, I just wanted to, to circle back on this conversation about the Lions and the playoff chances. And they're in it, man. They're in it. Yeah. We didn't think that they would, would be here, certainly. Just even two months ago, you know, they were one in six. Worst team in the league. Yeah. The the loss in Carolina was a setback. They'd be in the playoff field with a win. They did not win. <laughs> they did not come close to a win. But they're still in it. The fortunate thing is that every other team in the NFC playoff picture, the wild card picture, lost. So while they... Fumbled an opportunity to gain ground. They also didn't fall back even further, which would have been detrimental to their chances. Bottom line is this, Ben. They, they can't lose again. Yeah. That means you got to beat the Bears on Sunday. The Bears have the number one rushing attack in the league. Lions just got ripped for 320 <laughs> rushing yards <God>. in Carolina. <laughs> uh, I don't know how it played out on TV. I know watching it live, Ben, that run defense, I it, it was... Peculiar. I mean, we, we, I've seen them get ripped before, including this season, but I've never really seen it quite like that with the with the chunk place. And it was just one after another after another. There were seven explosives on the ground. That has to be a, a league high this year for a single game. And a lot of these, I mean, you saw it right out of the gate too with the first two plays of the game: sixty-five total yards, a thirty-five yard run, and a thirty-yard run right right out of the shoot. And you don't lay a single hand. On, on those guys until they're 30 yards downfield. And we saw that repeatedly. I guess that's concerning yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, in general, but particularly <laughs> going into a game that you have to win against a team that has the number one rushing offense in the league. I guess, where are your thoughts? You know, after talking to players this week, Aaron Glenn, the, the defensive coordinator, what are your thoughts on the, the run defense and their ability to put that game behind them going into Chicago? It's got to be better. I don't have a ton of optimism in it just because of the challenge ahead. You know, I mean, Fields is Fields. He's going to do what he's going to do. The guy's, I think it's 177 or so yards from the like record for a quarterback. He's already got a thousand rushing yards and they've got David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert back in the backfield. I mean, this is a three headed attack. You know, last week was a two headed attack. You know, props to Sam Darnold for making some plays, but this is, a, we've seen this defense struggle against mobile quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. We've seen this defense struggle against quarterbacks with a, like a bare minimum ability to move. Like Aaron Rodgers ran for 40 yards on this group. Like it is a problem. It's been a season long problem too. So it's going to be better. I feel confident saying that, but that's because it hit the floor. I mean, yeah. It just, that was a franchise record for the Panthers. The Panthers have had some pretty good running backs play for their franchise through the years, including two-headed attacks. So it's just uh, not too optimistic, not even cautiously optimistic. It's going to be better because it probably can only get a little better, but uh, it, it's it's a bad time to break like that. It, it was the second worst run defense game in the Super Bowl era for Detroit. And Detroit has some pretty bad defenses over the year. I was Stunned when I saw that. It was some historical stuff. Not even a Matt Patricia defense Gosh. ever allowed that many yards on the ground or that many total yards in a game. 
So just to put that into some context, it was it was brutal, Ben, and I was down there for it. I, you know, Dan Campbell came up after the game, but before a question was even asked, he was all over himself, you know, for not having the guys prepared and saying things like, you know, we got beat on the outside, in the middle, deep, everywhere in the field, they, they got beat. And they did. And I asked a lot about, you know, I asked players quite a bit after that game because one of the things that really stood out to me, Ben, was the missed tackles. Mm-hmm. That's something we haven't seen mostly, I would say, for this year. And it's been much better in the last four or five games, certainly, going into Carolina. And then in Carolina, they had 13 missed tackles. And so I guess when I watched that defense live, you could see the defensive line getting pushed around. The run fits behind them were poor, especially early. I think maybe it got slightly better in the second half. But like there was runs in the first half where the, the defensive line is getting pushed around. And so Foreman or Hubbard just break through the line, no problem. And then once they break through the line, there's nobody there to stop them. And so now you have a play that's already gone off for 5 or 10 or 15 yards. And then you had defensive backs all over the field missing tackles or taking bad lines to, to guys. And that, to me is the difference between a 15-yard play that you can recoup from and a 30, 40-yard chunk play that, you know, I mean, that changes the complexion of the game. It leads directly to points and that kind of thing. It's a really hard thing to overcome. Hard to overcome one or two or three chunk plays in the running game. And you allow seven, I mean, you're not even giving yourself a chance to win the game. And and the Lions didn't. And so I think they really have to tighten up in the back end. I, I, you know, I think the front, the front seven corrections are inevitable because we haven't seen Anzalone or... Malcolm Rodriguez played that poorly all year. We haven't seen run fits that bad. That it, it was atrocious. I think the line will be better. I think I think that we're going to see gains there. Where I'm really concerned going into the next game is is what's up with Jeff Okuda? Yeah. Like yeah. he's so stout and reliable as a run defender and as a tackler generally. Yeah, and he was horrific. It was so horrific in Carolina that he got benched. Kirby Joseph missed three tackles. Mel Fanwu making his first start in God knows how long. It was it was bad, Ben. That, yeah. that very first play of the game, you saw him make basically a U-shape to the yeah. runner, and it didn't get better from there. The good news is Kirby Joseph has returned to practice this week while dealing with injury, but they're still leaning at safety, and, and they're this close, Ben, to having to rely on Malifon again. And when you're going into a game against a quarterback like Justin Fields, who is, I don't know, was he six foot four, six foot five? He's a, a yeah, big guy. Tank. Tough to bring down. We saw that in the first game against Detroit. Real tough. And you've got guys all over the back end of the defense missing tackles taking bad lines to the football getting blocked out of plays which we saw repeated yeah. with Jeff Okuda that is where my concern is going into the Bears game yeah it was like a PSA for how under the radar important Deshaun Elliott has been for this run defense yeah. Yeah. you know Good a team point. leading tackler and I mean he was missed brutally out there I'm I'm not trying to talk him up like a superhero or anything but he was missed I mean Melifonwu took his spot in the starting lineup and like you said Play one. I remember I was watching at home. They did like the sky cam replay of that run and that U-shaped run. You're like, dude, where are you going? That's not. And so I, just without, it sounds very, very iffy on Elliott moving forward, at least this week too. So it's like, you're going to need Jeff Okuda to return to form because like you said, I mean, he's consistently probably been one of the best cornerbacks in the league against the run this year, like a, yep. a natural consistent ability. So that is troubling. It, that was troubling. I mean, that cannot happen again, especially if Elliott's back because you got to protect that second and third level. I mean, I think it was four runs more than 30 and another like three, like you said, over 20. I mean, that's just, that cannot happen against anybody, anybody. So yeah, the back end is concerning. Anzalone and Rodriguez, you know, those guys, you, you, it, it's okay to have faith that they'll be better because like you said, that was, that was a rock bottom. It was a rock bottom on the second and third levels and that defensive line did adjust in the second half. They're going to need to kind of carry the load again this week in that front seven because it, it's a little shorthanded and iffy on the back end, no pun intended. It was horrific, Ben. And what's 
peculiar to me is is the run defense has gotten so much better. And then they went to Carolina with everything on the line, right? Like your margin for error is, is pretty slim. You had opportunities to move into the playoff field with all the losses around you, and you weren't competitive. Mm-hmm. And that to me is what's disconcerting when assessing you know, where this team is at right now, because it's not just like, listen, everyone gets beat. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets beat sometimes. They had won six times in seven weeks. Were they, I mean, is this really a team that's going to win nine out of 10? Winning nine out of 10 in the, in the NFL was difficult. Like another loss was inevitable. I, I, I get a real kick out of these people, especially on talk radio, but just generally about, you know, SOL and all oh, this is so SOL of the Lions, a loss like this. You know, you want to go down there and get your ass kicked in a game where you have a lot to play for. And I'm just thinking to myself, they have now lost two games since Halloween. That is not same old Lions. I mean, like they're playing good football. They went down to Carolina and they got beat by a team that beat them with their own strengths. It happens in the NFL. Everyone loses games sometimes. It's not about, it's not the loss that concerns me. It's that they weren't competitive. It's that they showed up and got their faces kicked in, as, as Dan Campbell said this week. And I, I think the most accurate thing that Dan Campbell said all this week was that sometimes you, you do your best work after you get your face kicked in. That is, to me, the NFL. Like, almost no one is perfect. Almost almost no one. It's a matter of assessing your own self, your own mistakes, and fixing them. So it's a race to fix your own mistakes. And the Lions are in that position. They, they are fortunate because they have so little margin for error. But, you know, they lost that game. They're still only a half game out bad. The postseason is still a realistic possibility, especially if you win out. But you have to fix those mistakes. What they did in Carolina was was troubling. It, it's bizarre, right? Yeah. Like with everything they have on the line. Absolutely. But you have to turn the page, and that's what they're trying to do this week. And and we'll see. I mean, Justin Fields. We already saw it in week week ten. It's not a very good team, and he's not a very good passer. Yeah. Like this is a team the Lions should be. Let's make no mistake on that. For sure. Yes. But. There is a specific strength of the Bears running the football, especially with Justin Fields, who's really tough to bring down. We saw that on the last play of the game, right? Like, like, exactly, exactly. (laughs) And we did a great podcast about that a few weeks ago. Go go look up and check it out. But those 10 seconds and changing, that was a wild play that won the game for Detroit, but shows how tough Justin Fields is. You got to find solutions. You got to find them right now. Otherwise, Detroit season will go down. Yeah, and especially we're talking about the playoffs. If if they sneak into the NFC playoff, guess what the top teams in the NFC do really well? They run the freaking ball. Delvin Cook, Madison in Minnesota, San Francisco's Kyle Shanahan attack. So it's like you have to get better against that. You have to fix it and you have to fix it now. Not just, I mean, that that's troubling. If they want to compete with those teams, it's got to start there. And I mean, Carolina, that was what you saw there last week was a perfectly executed game plan playing to their strengths, mm-hmm. as you said. And what you saw in the Lions end was a complete breakdown and meltdown mm-hmm. with some holes on the defense. So it's like, fix that moving forward. And that's a big part of the equation. That's a big part of the equation. And I mean, it is the X factor to this weekend's game against the Bears because like you said, Fields, not the great passer. Their receivers are limping. I think they're without their top three receivers. But guess what? That guy might be, he's just unique. I mean, he is an elite runner. He is in a category of his own on the ground just because with his size and his movability and just it's scary to think about the complete picture with that kid. I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Prediction time. Lions, Bears, Sunday at Ford Field. Who do you got? I, I do think the Lions will win this game. I, I, I think they will. And I, I think, give me like a 30 to 24 win. You know, Fields is going to get his. He'll find his. But I do think the Lions win. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah, and yeah, my prediction for 10 wins is now <laughs> off the table. I thought they might backdoor it. I really did. <laughs> you know, it's been really interesting to watch, right? Because I, I, I was, I was, I knew I was off on an island predicting that. I knew that. But 
it's just what I thought. Like I, I looked at that offense mm. in the summertime and I'm like, man, like who is going to stop these guys if they stay healthy? And of course they didn't stay healthy. You know, they were, they were I mean, they, were, they lost damn near every receiver at one point in the yeah. middle part of the season. What I didn't account for was, you know, like while the offense was looking great in the summertime, the defense was struggling. I didn't account for how much the defense would actually struggle. What's the game? What's it? Once they start playing the games, that explains a one and six start. But you are, my point just being that they, you are starting to see the team that always was yeah. the team that the way this team has been built, they painted themselves into a corner. And so they're, you know, they're doing it the hard way. It's still in front of them, but they have to lean into those strengths. They gotta continue to pass the football. They got to find a way to reestablish the the ground game. And that doesn't mean necessarily rushing for 200 yards, but they got to figure out how, a way to be more efficient on the ground than they have been, you know, control some of these games on the ground. It really hasn't just been there for the last month, which really I think speaks to how well Jerry Goff has played that they've continued to score points anyway without it. Mm-hmm. But that might not be the case here. And especially when you go into Green Bay in week 18, Lord knows what it's going to look like then. What, what the yeah, what the temperature is going to be. But I, I think the Lions win this game, Ben. I think they're the better team. It, it, it will be difficult, though, and it will test this emerging weakness of theirs defending the run. Yeah, you can't go into Lambeau pounding the rock averaging 2.4 yards per carry. So that's just like stopping the run, establishing the run. It's just paramount to where this thing goes from here for sure. Let's get to Frank, shall we? We should. You know, right. great stuff from Frank in recent weeks. I just want to say that he's just been, his press conference was emotional and great. He's always just A+, plus and I was super pumped to get him on the podcast. A-plus dude, A-plus player as well. I mean, playing yeah. through a, a toe injury all year, he has not practiced fully for a single week right. <laughs> and still made the Pro Bowl two weeks ago. So let's get to Frank and, and catch up with Detroit's only a Pro Bowl player. All right, Ben, we're outside the Lions locker room once again. Our little favorite spot. This is our recording I've, studio. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Get <laughs> <laughs> our nameplates on the wall or something. <laughs> we're here with Frank Ragnow, the now two-time Pro Bowl center for, for Detroit. Frank, you got the the second Pro Bowl nod last week. I'm just curious what, what that meant to you. We went through it a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. You couldn't even talk at the time. You had a fractured throat. Oh my gosh. Um, God. Yeah, no doubt. So what, I guess what was it like this time around for you? It was pretty cool. As you guys know, I think I've been on the injury report every week this year, which is very frustrating and very taxing on your confidence because I definitely don't feel like I'm the same player. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been the hardest part is the confidence and knowing that maybe you're helping guys win, but it's not the product that you're used to putting out, if that makes sense. Totally. So to, to be able to still be recognized, that was pretty cool. But then, you know, it's, it was cool. It was on the strength of the voting from players and coaches, too. I think you were third going into that, and then you leapt up. So I guess what does that mean to, to just be recognized by your peers for the things you do? And maybe, you're, maybe your play is not the level that you're accustomed, mm-hmm. but like to do it through what you've battled this year, does, does that give you some measure of additional satisfaction sure. that you were able to fight through? For sure, way more satisfaction team. there. Because I remember in 2020, I wasn't even top 10 in the fans and the players and coaches. So to me, I think that's the best way to get it. I mean. It's just cool to be recognized by the people who know what you're doing and are doing it with you. And to see it, it's it's awesome. I heard you were in the tub or something when you found out. (laughs) No, it was post fight. You guys saw that video they posted? Yeah. Yeah. So then I had to go get treatment. And I was in the hot tub sitting there and I I couldn't believe it because it's been a long year, man. It's been... It has not been easy. Yeah. So it kind of was just like a whole, like, holy shit. Yeah. Made, you know? Yeah. So it was a whirlwind of emotions. Yeah. How much has gone into just getting you ready every week, like the maintenance <laughs> of this thing? It's been, the training room has been great, man. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's, you got to do a whole lot of work and a lot. Shout out to all the guys, right? Like, 
I don't do much practicing, very little during the week. So the guys have to step up, shift around, and they, they help a lot. And then just uh, a lot of rehab morning, day, and night to get to Sunday. Yeah, I was talking to Jonah the other day, and he was saying, yeah, this this bleep, <laughs> this mother bleep <laughs> shows up at 5.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning yeah. to go through everything he has to go through to get to get ready to play. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's kind of just my routine. Hurt or unhurt, I like to get in there and get ahead of everything so then I kind of know what's coming throughout the day game plan-wise. But, yeah, yeah, it's kind of getting the hot tub every morning about 5 a.m. No one else is in here besides me and Tim, the equipment guy. (laughs) Have a sweet little conversation, wake up in the hot tub and get it wrong. One of the the things that guys have told me over the years that, you know, we we were just talking about what's the worst part about going through the, like, injury cycle in the NFL, Mm -hmm. like getting hurt, rehabbing. Like, one thing they always bring up is that, when you have a long-term injury, it's the thing that everyone wants to talk to you about oh, yeah. every time you have a conversation. And so, like, here we are again. Yeah. You're the tow guy. Like, well, okay. dude. Like, how fatigued are you just from the, the, the barrage of questions that always come your way every time? You Especially talk? after last year, right? Like, I thought I was – the reason I got that surgery was to put the toe in the bass, to be good yeah. and healthy and for it to happen again. And you don't want to be labeled that injured guy. And right now I'm that, I'm that guy in the injury report every freaking week. So it's – it's taxing, and like like I said, it messes with your confidence more than anything. You know, I can I can figure out to get through the pain, but the confidence of is it going to hold up, or am I going to be able to do this with it? Is it's tough. And we had a Taylor on a couple of weeks ago, and I'm just curious, how important is Hank Freely to your game to this offensive line? Because he really he told the story of going to bat for Hank when Dan got hired and Brett yep. got hired, and just how important it was. So just how vital has he been with you not practicing, keeping the screw, oh, and you going out there on Sundays? Yeah, I mean, all, the, all those guys, for coaches to be able to trust you from Dan to Ben to Hank, to be able to trust me to not get reps and to still let me go out there and play is a hats off to them. But, yeah, Hank, I mean, he's been everything for my career. I've been blessed to have him since day one, and especially as a former center. Like, he, he understands what I'm seeing, and he speaks to me in a language that uh, – I understand from a player's point, if that makes sense. And then another thing, he's, he cares about you as a person. Like, he knows about a lot about us personally, and that's not always the case in this industry. And then he'll listen to us, and he'll adjust off of how we see things. Another thing that is not as common as you'd think in this industry. So he's been – he's phenomenal, man. You, I mean, you see, we have guys go down and guys step up, and we – you know, it's not as much as a drop-off as you'd think it would be. I know you're on a tight schedule, but I did want to ask you about Jared Goff real quick. Yeah, you had a – your first couple of years in the league, you learned from one of the best with yeah, Matthew Stafford and getting sure. to work with him every day. Now you've, you're wrapping up your second year with Jared, and I know he had some struggles. First half of his first season, played much better down the stretch last mm-hmm. year. And then this year, he's been really one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And in December, like second highest rated quarterback in the league. And I mean, yeah. the, the numbers are, are ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious. I mean, you're as close to Jared as anyone in, in this sure. building. What can you tell us about that guy that maybe we don't know? You know, I, I think that, like... Everyone talks about the quarterback, and we can see the production on the, on, on Sundays uh-huh. or on, on Saturday. But what's it like, I guess, working with Jared? What kind of respect do you have for him and his game and the way he's been able to, to stand so tall against a lot of criticism that came his for way sure, when he first man. came Like, around. you think about it, like, put yourself in his shoes. I mean, we all see it, all the speculation outside about the trade and all the things. Like, mm-hmm. to go through that, and for him, the, the biggest thing I can say to him is the most consistent dude every single day consistently the same guy no matter what's going on no matter what's happening on the field no matter what the record is no matter how the game's going 
he's consistently the same guy. And then, I mean, the second half of the season, the thing I've noticed is his, his confidence and his command of the, the huddle and his demeanor and how he's seeing the offense and everything has really kind of upped. And he's playing with a little bit of swagger. And he's, uh, I think uh, a lot of that goes to Ben Johnson. I think mm-hmm. Ben Johnson has really built up his confidence, and they're both very confident in the game plan and are seeing eye to eye and they're seeing the results. Mm-hmm. Plus, I hear Jared Gibbs, all pro. Christmas gifts, dude. Yeah, <laughs> you got the you got the four wheeler, right? You got Polaris UTV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm the first pick. Yeah, well, I think Taylor Taylor was the first pick, and I think he's like Frank really wants that. That's, yeah, so he okay. was really nice, Respect. and he didn't get that. I can't believe it. best Christmas gift I've ever received. That's so awesome for your mom, everybody included. So in the room, when, I think all the other gifts were in the room, but obviously you can't have a four-wheeler in there so you just think a, a picture of it picture yeah okay picture. so I, not, do you have it in your possession now no i gotta order i'm gonna okay put it in yeah. minnesota it'll be awesome, yeah, okay. that'll be awesome. that's a that's a pretty good haul oh <laughs> for that on grizzly man i'll do yeah. it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ten thousand dollar plus thank you frank yeah, This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again. Thanks again.